Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. She has branded herself and her business as the drop-in CEO. Deb Cote-Biello guides CEOs who are navigating transformation to get them back on track. And I have to believe there are many bravery stories there. She's a business consultant, a coach, and the author of a new book, The CEO's Compass. I'm really excited to be speaking with Deb today. Hello, Deb. Hey, Ed, I am so excited to have this conversation with you and have an amazing audience to listen to it as well. Thank you so much. Well, we are thrilled that you're here. I gave folks kind of a light introduction to you, and I'd love for you to spend a couple of minutes telling folks a little bit more about what you do and how you interact in the marketplace. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. And I just am so excited for the work that I have arrived at doing now. I have had over 30 years in various manufacturing industries with my background being in quality and operational excellence. But over the last several years in my career as a senior leader, I saw there was so much more to be done in elevating people in the workplace. And that was where my zone of genius was because I had a lot of smart people around me uh, and I was supposed to be removing the barriers. But one of the best things that happened to me was transitioning out of corporate and starting my own business, Illumination Partners. And as I tried to figure out what do I do, who do I serve, and the problem I solve, it came to be I drop into organizations and I partner with senior business leaders and CEOs who are going through rapid transformation, whether it's an acquisition, loss of leadership, or tremendous growth. They sometimes simply need a partner to help them with that business problem. But the thing that differentiates me from another business consultant, and this is the drop-in CEO brand, is the ability to see the landscape and what is needed to elevate the people. Because we can fix any kind of business problem, but ultimately we have to build the capability and confidence of the people to be able to sustain those improvements. So there's a a major human development component to the technical consulting I do, for which I also have offers in a human-centered 
leadership course, blended learning, as well as I do some one-on-one coaching for select people that are stuck. And then of course, the drop-in CEO uh, book that was produced, The CEO's Compass, to help people get on track because I too, as a senior leader, have been off track and I see the same patterns and I want to work with CEOs to be able to get them back on track. So I'm so excited and love the work that I'm doing. It sounds like it. And when I think about the volume of transformation going on in the world, whether it's an acquisition, uh, new leadership, I just read an article yesterday about the impact a new leader can have on a team's productivity. And of course, a new leader, it's kind of the valley of despair. It goes from who you had and then someone new starts. So things become disrupted. And then you've got to work your way back up to having a productive team. This must provide you a ton of activity in respect to people who are experiencing some type of transformation or are feeling stuck and don't know where to go and don't know what to do. You know, one, I love the point that you're making. And so often as leaders, we want to just go in and fix things, apply resources, get new technology to get things more efficient, get back on track. Let's kick off a continuous improvement team so we can fix this problem. But you know what? That may all be necessary. But one of the things I talk about in the CEO's Compass is that may solve problems for the short term. High five and say we're back on track, but then it's not sustainable. Because one of the things I found is, like you say, when there's new people that come on board, have we really taken taken the time to get to know their past and culture. I talk about pride, which is one of the other compass points, the unique treasures or gifts that they bring. We may not need them now, but if we've taken the time to understand whether we need their skills or not, we have at least paid respect to the individuals. So going through rapid change actually requires a leader to pause and reflect and look at the people, the resources we have, and how best to enable them to do the work, not through resources and technology and all kinds of things. That's what I have found most of the issues with CEOs that are not on track. Well, and my experience has been uh, more often than not, and I certainly have not studied it and have experienced it to the degree that you have, but uh, many CEOs come in and hit the ground running and they don't take time to get to know people and their strengths. And I'm a huge fan of kind of the 90 day model where you observe for 90 days, you're curious for 90 days, you experience for 90 days before you start saying, hey, here's something we might think about doing a little bit differently. Some of them believe that their job on day one is to start making change and impact. And that's why I'm here. And uh, this is, I think, one of the areas that bravery at work plays a role is because if that, in fact, is how the leader is operating, somebody needs to help that person or speak to that person to let them know that there may be a more effective way of making progress that is sustainable than coming in and, you know, hitting off the low hanging fruit and making lots of changes and creating potentially even more disruption. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I call that discipline. A leader must be disciplined. And another thing I talk about in the book when we talk about even developing our own leaders is we should be listening more and speaking less. So a new leader should be listening more 60, 70% before speaking because we need to reflect and see the greater landscape versus processing and acting because if people see that behavior, all they're going to be doing is just activity-based work. But when we as leaders step back and reflect and take the 90 days, what we thought needed to be fixed at the beginning may still need to be fixed, but there may be greater opportunities. Like maybe there's a culture here that needs to be addressed versus throwing new people equipment at it. Take that time to see the fullest picture, gain everybody's insights, and you may find that there is a greater outcome or work that needs to be done after that 90 days. 
I, it's a firefighter that, and we don't need that many firefighters anymore. They're more disruptive to your point. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I think about those people who do come in and, you know, part of it, I think, and come in and start making lots of changes initially. And, you know, part of it, I think, is cultural that when there is a new leader, and if you look at something we all experience, like a new president of the United States, you know, we expect changes right away. Like, oh, thank God there's a new president. He or she is going to change this and change that and, you know, do it right away. And there's huge pressure on that person to do things right away. And I think a lot of CEOs may self-create that belief. You know, I'm not sure if boards of directors are saying, you know, we want changes right away. And, you know, your first week, we want to see this organization shifting. But, uh, you know, they create this belief that they have to start doing visible change very early on or else they may not be perceived as having an impact. And it, it just feels like a struggle between observing and curiosity and listening and making visible changes that validate why you're there. A quick story of mine, because I went to a global uh, meeting with other leaders for which we had to say, here's what we're going to do in the next year to achieve whatever the outcome was. And all of my colleagues went in and says, boom, 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 here are the things we are going to do A to Z. And I took a completely different approach. I said, you know, I sat back and reflected and said, you know, here is what my leadership style was. And it wasn't serving me. And I said, here's the leadership style I need to adopt going forward and how I'm going to lead my people differently. And in the last five minutes of my presentation, and I said, and here are the things I'm going to do A to Z. The interesting thing was the culture at the time. They said, well, that was a very nice presentation. We love your self-reflection and taking the time to get to know you better. But you didn't spend enough time going over what you were going to do. So I was admonished for thinking differently and taking the time to pause and reflect. And then I met with colleagues afterwards and they said, Deb, we need more people like you, creative thinkers that reflect and think about leadership capability and how to serve others, not the tactical work. Well, this is a huge challenge that people face in corporate environments is the cultural belief, the cultural pressure on uh, change and activity and that the only way that you can validate your competence is by coming in quickly. And again, I'm theorizing here. I'm not suggesting I've done statistical work and can prove this, but you know, based on my corporate experience of 20 years and then my 14 years as a leadership coach working with very senior leaders, uh, there is a belief that if they come in, they need to start making changes right away. And that this idea, as you're describing, of observing and thinking about things differently, which is one of my favorite words, uh, that they're not going to be impactful. So the rest of the story, <laughs> leading with a different leadership style and supporting and helping the people remove their barriers, I went from number four to number two in about 18 months to the point where they started looking at my books and questioning was I reporting the right way? They couldn't believe <laughs> the turnaround. But my job was I had a very a lot of smart people around me, much smarter than me. And what could I do to elevate their impact and in communicating, influencing, and technically solving the problems to the point where we went from out of four regions, the fourth place to the second place. And so it, uh, it is a little bit different. Uh, I think in the end, I probably disrupted a little bit and they perhaps didn't appreciate it. But you know, I'm okay, because at the end of the day, I felt good about those decisions. And I've left a lasting impact on the people and they actually are performing better, even promoted or moving into different roles since leaving that, uh, that company. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. But I still lead with that help the people build the people, they'll take care of you. Right. And look, words like disruption are becoming more and more common. 
uh, in our culture, you know, there was a time where you could never be disruptive, right? That this is what we do. This is how we do it. Just keep doing it. And now this uh, uh, style of being disruptive, but also the style of being more vulnerable, being a better listener, being more curious, showing more empathy, right? These softer skills that former leaders would have just poo-pooed away and said, you know, those are not strategic activities. I believe now with leaders that I'm working with, these are key strategic behaviors, demonstrating empathy, demonstrating vulnerability, being politely and respectfully disruptive. I'm not suggesting you come in with a two by four and start, you know, smashing the office, but, you know, that you uh, respectfully and knowledgeably are disruptive in order to help the organization navigate a very fast-paced, changing world. Yeah, I am doing that right now. A client pulled me in because they needed a major change and I was helping them, but I had to be kind because they were deer in the headlights. They just didn't know how to get there. And so we built some trust, but then I came in with a two by four at one point and said, oh, you need to change this. You need to change this. Oh my God, I can't believe that. And then I was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I apologized to them. They said, no, 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 no. We need you to wake us up a little bit. We didn't see it for all the years. You were opening up our eyes to it. So I said, okay, good. So, you know, there was that vulnerability being a little bit more human there. Um, but that just comes with trust and building a great relationship with clients. But again, um, do our work, practice our craft, serve the people, customers, clients, et cetera. But also we do have to disrupt, wake them up so we can get them to a better place. So love the work that I do. No doubt. Uh, it sounds like fantastic work. And I'm just curious in the client relationships that you've had and in your own personal growth and development, as you mentioned, you left corporate and transitioned to your own independent practice. Uh, do you have a story that you could share, Deb, where you look back now on that you did demonstrate bravery and the impact that that behavior had on your career or that you didn't demonstrate bravery that you now look back on with regret and wishing that you had handled it a little bit differently? So thank you for that. I had to reflect a little bit because there are a few stories where at the end of the day, I was brave and it did get the right result, but it disrupted a lot in the process. So very specifically, but as much as I can share, there was a quality issue I had when I was at the head of quality of an organization where we had to inform the customer that we needed to bring product back. It was a quality defect for which I felt strongly we needed to bring it out of the market. And obviously aligning with internal colleagues to understand the risk, the impact, et cetera. It was very challenging. They never said, no, Deb, we can't do that because then we go into ethics issues. But at the same time, it was very lonely when I knew the right thing was to inform the customer and do the right thing. And while I had legal and other counsel guiding me during the process, as long as, as well as my experts, I could feel immense pressure to not do it. Let's just let it go. Maybe people won't notice. But at the end of the day, we made the decision. I had to go to the customer with my team to say, this is what happened, why it happened, and why we said we needed to bring it back. And they gave us a tongue lashing for at least even allowing the issue to happen. But at the end of the day, when we finished our work and we got our tongue lashing and (laughs) put through the ringer, they said, thank you. We would have done the same thing. So they had to do the job to make sure that this was serious and they agreed. But at the end of the day, what was bigger was I was brave. My team was brave. We did the right thing. Didn't feel good in the moment. But everybody can sleep at night because we protected people and we protected the brand by doing the right thing. It hurt. It disrupted. 
I don't know what the end impact was. Maybe that's why I'm no longer in that company. But at the end of the day, I can sleep well and I have respect to myself and the others that were on that journey. Wow. And I'm just wondering, Deb, uh, on the journey you have been on, and when you think about the business consulting work that you have done over the past years, you know, do you get hired for reasons to help people be brave, even though they don't know that that's what they need to do, if you follow my question, right? You're hired to help do this, you're hired to help do that. But in the end, what you're helping them do is something that they on their own would never have done that required bravery. So that's a very interesting question. And maybe I need to think about how to market myself. I'm often brought in as a technical expert. You know, she can drop in as a senior leader. She can help us to get a certification. But while in the organization, I look at the people. And what I see is, yes, I can come in with a hammer and say, we need to do this, set up this process, etc. I find vulnerability in the people that they probably could have done the work themselves, but may not have had the essential skills. Case in point, I had a particular quality specialist, very talented, very smart, but they brought me in to help elevate the quality program. And what I found was as I'm helping to increase and improve the programs, the individuals just weren't brave enough to be able to speak up and say, this is important. We need to do this. So the greater opportunity while we fix these quality issues or initiatives was I went in and started giving the person the tools and the confidence to be able to speak up and speak in a way in the language of a CEO, in the language of a decision maker to say, we need to make this change because if we don't, here's the financial impact to the customer. So the coaching, the confidence, the building, the bravery in the workplace comes with the work that I do as a side effect because it just needs to be done. And that's the lasting impact. Elevate people to have the skills and be brave at work. Well, it's fascinating, I think, in the work that you do that while you're hired to either technically be an expert in a particular area or help an organization transform in ways that they hadn't been able to transform before, the byproduct or the key activity that comes out of it is bravery, right? Taking steps that you would not have taken on your own, uh, doing or saying things that you would not have done if you did not have someone telling you that that's what you need to do, right? And in a way that helps them grow as a leader and as an influencer and as a relationship builder, because now hopefully they're a little braver and a little bit more courageous in respect of what they're experiencing. And so the end of that story was then the person went to that senior leader to influence and deliver a powerful message. And she called me and says, and she was crying. She said, oh my, they picked apart. They asked so many questions. I, I failed. And I said, no, you did amazing because you presented it in such a way as a senior leader. You gave them something to critique, to react to. You won. And the fact that they engage with you. That was brave. You got a good result. Now you have to figure out how could you do it next time, how to better respond to it. You were brave and you got a good result, even though you felt like they were picking you apart. You got the respect of a senior leader and they were curious. So that person came away and said, you know what? I at least know my voice. I know what I need to do going forward to influence people. He may not have liked it, but I know what to do now. So that person has a bit more bravery now going forward. Well, I love that description that 
uh, is a byproduct of work that you do is that it helps people find their voice, right? Oftentimes people get in a rut and believe they have to say a certain thing or do a certain thing, and it may not be the way that they want to interact with the world. And so how do I help them find their voice so that their position and status is confirmed? A hundred percent. And people gain their power, courage, and bravery from that. Well, Deb, it has been fantastic speaking with you today. And I'm just wondering, how can people get in contact with you if they'd love to talk a little bit more about your work, about your book, The CEO's Compass, uh, and, uh, and or about bravery? So, Ed, thank you so much for this amazing conversation and the opportunity to engage with your listeners. I'm excited to connect with people, get to know people. My website is dropinceo.com. That's D-R-O-P-I-N-C-E-O. You can connect with me, schedule some time for a free conversation. And also on the main page is the CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track. You can click on the link and get on our wait list. We are coming out the end of August, beginning of September. I can't wait to share the messages and help get CEOs and other senior leaders back on track. So thank you again, Ed. Well, thank you, Deb, and best of luck with your book. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at capitrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, electronically, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.